You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Well, we want to welcome you uh, to part one, lesson one. Uh, Start off a 10-week study of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Along with me, Josh Barnett and Paul Kern uh, will be alternating through these 10 weeks teaching this study with me. And I'm telling you, all three of us are looking forward to this. We've been talking about this for several weeks now. And, and we're going to be doing all that we possibly can to, to keep it fresh, keep it exciting. That's, that's why we want to change a different speaker every night. We want to keep the, it, the Bible is not boring. You, you need to know that. The Bible is not boring. Bible study is not boring. People are. And people make the Bible boring. And people make Bible study unbearable. And I grew up with a lot of that. And I just thought the Bible was just about to kill me until I realized, no, it was boring people that were doing that to me. The Bible's not that way at all. Uh, I'm just, I'm grieved when I hear boring preachers. That's probably my biggest grieve and my biggest pet peeve is boring preachers because it misrepresents the Word of God. Word of God's alive. It's active. Man, it'll, it'll turn your life around. And, and I just hate to hear dry and mundane boring preachers portray the Word in a way that it just isn't. So we're going to do all that we can not to kill the power, the excitement, the freedom, the wisdom that the Word of God brings to us. And uh, I want you here on these coming 10 weeks in this study because we're going to learn a lot. We're going to see a lot. It's just, it's just going to be a great study of foundational truths about God that you don't want to miss. John was the son of Zebedee, one of the first disciples of Jesus. John and James worked with their father in the fishing business. And Peter, James, and John were the three closest to Jesus. And what John has to say in these three letters is vital. You turn to the back of your Bible, find first, second, and third John. Uh, oftentimes we miss over uh, what's in here and we just can't. Um, as, we, as we look at first John, there is no greeting. There's no salutation. It's not tell everybody hi and grace and peace and love to you. I mean, he just gets right straight to the point here. Uh, he dives in and gets right straight to the point. Um, we're going to see in this study that all three of us will be bringing week in and week out here. God's son has come to earth. God is not living way off in outer space someplace. Oh, God, where are you? God, if you're even there, God, I don't even know if you're really real. Where are you? He's not way off in outer space right out here somewhere. And God is not unconcerned about you. God is not disinterested in you and what's going on here. In fact, it is just the opposite is true. God loves you. God cares for you, and he's proven it over and over and over, his love and his concern and his care for you. He sent his son into the world. We we just can't take God and the reality of God out of our awareness and out of our conscious mind. You you can't take him out of the world. It's just you, you have to be an ostrich with your head in the sand to do so. You cannot write, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, you can't write that date without acknowledging the birth of Jesus, his entrance into the world that changed the entire 
world. And, oh God, if you're even there, if you're even, are you kidding me? What are you doing? What, don't let the devil do a number in your head and asking all of these weird questions about God, if you're even there, he's here. He's made it plain and obvious to us. You want to go to 1 John? You also might want to, if you've got a real expensive Bible like mine, you have two ribbons in it. If you've got one of those cheap ones, you only have one ribbon in it. Uh, I got two ribbons in mine. So uh, you might want to mark your place in the Gospel of John and then over in 1 John. Because in this study, we're going to do a lot of Bible study. Uh, we're going to, and you know, if you're doing a class in hermeneutics, you never want to use more than two or three scriptures at any one sermon because people get bogged down in turning back and forth. Well, we're going to disregard that because we're going to look at a bunch of them. So just get some springs in your pages where they'll jump back and forth because I want to look at a lot of scripture. We got to have a biblical understanding of God. And, and this world is getting further and further away from it. And we are more and more inventing or describing a God that suits ourselves rather than a God of the Bible. And so we've got to spend some time looking at Scripture, looking at what the Bible says, looking at what God says about himself. Let's go. First John chapter 1, let's get started. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself has revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. The revelation here is, is just mind-boggling. What all is in this opening, these first five verses, that is revealed to us about truth. All right, follow with me. Verse 1, Jesus has always existed. He, he's all, Jesus, isn't a Johnny come lately? Jesus has always existed. Look in verse 1, Jesus proved that he is. Verse 2, Jesus revealed who he is. Verse 3 and 4, Jesus came for a purpose. And verse 5, Jesus preached the most wonderful message that's ever been preached. Now, let's look at this. The world is looking for real. We are looking for what's real. We are seeking reality we're seeking joy for life. And John shows us that it is not to be found in things and in thrills, but it's found in a person. And, and the world continues to try to find joy for life in things, in, in stuff, in thrills, in vacations, or in, in, in just material stuff. Joy that you're looking for is found not in stuff, but it's found in a person. John opens this letter with telling us this living reality that is real, a life that is real. 
We proclaim. Look at the different, the number of times he uses the word proclaim. We share, we tell it, we're proclaiming this. As we read these first five verses, we see three vital facts about the life that is real. Number one, this life is revealed. We're not seeking it. We're not looking for it. It's revealed. It's shown to us. Number two, this life is experienced. It's not something you read about. It's something that is experienced. And number three, this, li- this life is to be shared. It's to be, it's to be shared. Now, I want to look at these first five verses in these three vital facts that come out to us. Number one, this life is revealed. Verse two, this life is, the Christian life, it's not hidden so that we have to go on a lifelong search for reality. Now, maybe some of this might pass right over your head and you not get it. Some of you really relate to this because you might have been involved in a religion that spends its whole life in a search, in a pursuit. You, you never find it. You live your life searching. We're on our spiritual search. We're in a spiritual quest. And many religions have you living your life in a pursuit, in a quest. And church, you're not looking for nothing. It's been revealed. It, he has revealed reality to us. God has revealed himself in several ways. A few scriptures that I want to go to. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 20. You can turn there with me or you can just take notes and I'll read it to you. Romans chapter 1 verse 20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. You got that? I mean, ever since the world's created, you can see the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Here's what the Bible tells you and I. You can't watch a sunset and not be overwhelmed with the power and the presence of God. You, you can't do it. You've got to stick your head in the sand. You've got to act ignorant. You've got to, you've got to ignore the obvious to watch a sunrise, to go to the ocean and watch the waves, to watch the mountains, to watch the blues and the greens. and the, for, for you to w- look at creation, what the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You have to completely be a fool to look at all that because in creation, God has revealed himself to us. It's been revealed. Go to the gospel of John chapter one. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was God. The word was with God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness and darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. 
Now, John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and they even rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son. God has revealed himself in creation, and God has revealed himself in the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us to show us God. God has revealed himself to us. in God, if you're even there, I don't even know if you're. God has revealed himself in creation. He's revealed himself in the word. And then go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus replied, I've been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still do not know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? God has revealed himself through his son. How do we know God? I don't know God. I don't even know what God's like. I don't even, how am I supposed to know God? You see him in creation. Watch the order. He's revealed himself in nature. He's revealed himself in nature. Nature will teach you about how God works. You can watch nature. You can watch bulls and cows. It's not bulls and bulls. God reveals himself and his will and his purpose through nature. In his creation, he revealed himself. In his word and through his word, he's revealed himself. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Back to the word, revelation. He has revealed himself. He's revealed himself to us in creation, in the word, in Jesus. We see God. Jesus, go, go back to 1 John. Let me re- hit this real quick. 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 3. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You got to know Jesus was not a good man. He was not a prophet. He was not a religious teacher. He was not an option given to us. There are many religious options. Jesus is the Son of God. And there's not another choice. Jesus is God's Son in the flesh. Now, John warns us several times in his letter not to listen to the false teachers who tell lies about Jesus. False teaching is serious. We're going to look at this in this study. Well, First John goes over and over and over. Well, just a couple of quick ones. Chapter 2, verse 22. We're going to be seeing this. Chapter 2, verse 22. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. I mean, he goes on and on and on. He's warning us, don't be acting like this isn't true. Now, I'm telling you, false teaching is a serious matter. John then revealed, go to chapter 4, 
verse 13, 14, and 15. We're going to see this as we get into this study. God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify the father sent his son. So we got the spirit, we have the son, and in verse 15, God. Declare that Jesus is the son of God. So John reveals to us the trinity. God the father, God the son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Matter of fact, just so you'll know, the word trinity is not in the Bible. It is a word that we use to identify three in one. Lots and lots of scriptures that we could go to where we refer. Well, let me get one quick one. Matthew chapter 8, 28. There's just so many we could turn to. And I think, no, we don't have time for that, but we'll make time. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing him. Several places in Scripture we could look at. The word Trinity is not in Scripture, but it is a word we use to describe the three in one, what we refer to as the Godhead. Christians do not believe in three gods. When you have somebody knock on your door and start witnessing to you, and they tell you there are three gods, that's not true. There's one God, has three parts. It's not a hard concept. If you have an apple, you have the peeling, you have the core, the center that you eat, and you have the core. Three distinct parts, three distinct parts that do distinct things, but still an apple. When you look at it in a microscope, any of that can be identified as an apple, but it's three parts of one apple. I am a father. I am a husband. Well, first of all, I was a husband first. Then I was a father. Let's get the order right. Stay scriptural here. I was a husband I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, three very distinct parts, but all one person. Doing three distinct roles. I I can't wait till Sunday. I'm going to teach on all this, and all of a sudden I'm into my Sunday morning message. Stay with your text. That's why I use notes. I don't use notes for something to say. I use notes to keep me from saying everything that's running through my head. If y'all could be in my head, you'd shoot yourself right now. There are three vital facts about the life that is real. Number one, this life is revealed. It's revealed to us. It's, It's not a guessing game. It's not a lifelong pursuit. It's been revealed to us. Number two, this life is to be experienced. Verse three. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. John had a personal encounter with Jesus. This is not a second-hand religious experience. We're looking at the fact that the life that we're talking about, the life of following God is a personal experience for you. John knew face to face, he knew Jesus. Well, Tim, that's great for, G- for John. He lived and walked and talked with him. For me, I was just born 20 centuries too late to have a personal experience. We're telling you what we, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not a physical nearness that John is writing about. Multitudes saw Jesus. 
in the physical form and it didn't affect them. So don't think, well, if I could have just walked with him, if I could have just been alive when he was here, you'd have probably crucified him just like all the others yelling crucify him. That's what you probably would have done. It's not the fact that they lived with Jesus that made a difference. Well, if I'd have just lived there where if I could just see him, if I could have just put my hands and touched where those nails were, then I would believe. No, you wouldn't. Not any of the thousands that were there. You'd be around there for the fish and chips, but when that was over, you'd go home and cuss him. I mean, that's what they did. So the fact that they saw him physically is not what changed their life. It is a spiritual encounter with the lordship of Jesus in your life. And John talks about six different times in this study as Paul and Josh and I'll be talking about this. John goes over and over being born again. In fact, is in his gospel, John chapter 3. You must be born. You must be born again. You're not following your Sunday school teacher's salvation. Because you have a pastor that's on fire for God. Because, well, my wife, she's kind of the spiritual one of our family. It's for you. And this life is to be personally experienced by you. And, and here's what happens. We try to live on other people's experiences. And for y'all in Shalom Ministries, for you Teen Challenge guys, let me just tell you, while you're here in this program, you can live on your leadership's experiences. And you can be happy with them, and you can cry with them, and you can read the Bible with them. And boy, when the music starts, you can say amen, and boy, you can come to the altar and pray and and do all that. And two days after you're out, you're going back to hell. Why? Because you never had a personal experience for yourself. And, And you cannot live the Christian life on somebody else's salvation. He said, we're telling you this. John says, I'm proclaiming to you what I've seen. I'm proclaiming to you what I have experienced. I'm proclaiming. you got to understand this is a relationship between you and God. And being associated with somebody, being associated with somebody, just because you swim in a lake doesn't make you a fish. you you got to be personally born again. And John writes this gospel to tell us how to receive life for ourselves. Well, I've tried the Christian thing. It just didn't work for me. Well, I've tried to be a Christian. Well, I went through the program and it didn't help me. Well, I went, this program ain't going to help you at all if you don't come to know Jesus for yourself. Well, I went to church for years. It didn't do me no good. Going to church ain't going to do you no good unless you come to know the Lord Jesus in a personal way for yourself. And that's what all this is about. It's to bring you to a place so that in the middle of your workday, when you're under pressure, when you're under stress, that you are able to go through Jesus and contact the presence and the power and the strength of the Lord for yourself. And that's what you learn to do. Or when you're out on the job and stress comes, you throw something through a window, you get mad, you storm off. You go and get drunk, and that's what you handle it. See, when you come to church, it's to bring you to a relationship with the Lord that will sustain you when life's difficulties come your way. In this study, we're going to see the true child of God, chapter 3, verse 9, 
does not practice sin. We're going to see in this study the true child of God loves God and loves other people. Chapter 4, verse 7. Chapter 5, verse 1. The true child of God doesn't have a love for this world. Chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. The world and its, lo- its things, its sexual attractions, its lure, its lust, that, that's not attracting. I, I want to please God. I don't want to satisfy my flesh. A true child of God is not overcome by pressure. Chapter 5, verse 4. Boy, there's so much that we're going to learn in this study. The counterfeit Christian is a lot like counterfeit money. Now listen to this. Let's just say a man has counterfeit money and he buys bread and food with his counterfeit money. It helped him out. The bread man paid his rent with the counterfeit money. Helped him out. His landlord pays his utility bill with the counterfeit money. The utility company takes it to the bank and the teller says, I'm sorry, I can't accept it. That money did a lot of good while it was in circulation for a lot of people. But when it arrived at the bank, it was exposed for what it really was. I know a lot of people, they're not Christians and they're good people. No doubt about it. But Matthew tells us there's many that's going to cry, Lord, Lord. Many cry, Lord, Lord. I'll say, depart from me. Never knew you. So the counterfeit. The counterfeit Christian, maybe I know a lot of people. But Tim, I know people that volunteer at the food bank and I know people that help them. I, know, I don't doubt it. A counterfeit $20 bill will help a lot of people out. But when it finally arrives at the bank, it's going to get revealed for what it is. And there won't be any payment made on it. You need to know that. You need to know that. The life that is real has got to be experienced by you. You've got to come to know the Lord for yourself. Number one, revealed in Jesus. Number two, experienced by us. And number three, this life is to be shared. We proclaim to you, verse one. Verse 2, and now we testify and proclaim to you. This life has got to be proclaimed. What we have seen, what we've experienced. You know, many people think that witnessing means arguing religion over somebody. We are to proclaim what we've seen. and I'm not arguing with you. I'm just telling you what I've experienced. I'm not debating with you. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not trying to talk you into anything. Here's what I'm telling you I ha- have had happen in my life. Let me tell you what has happened to me personally. There's no arguing with that. You, you can't argue with a testimony of what's happened to you personally. Now, John gives us five purposes, five reasons for proclaiming, for sharing. John, John gives us five reasons, and all three of us, as we teach this, are going to be talking about these. I want to just lightly touch on all five of these quickly as we introduce this series. First John 1 John 1.3, first one, that we're, we're proclaiming, we're sharing, so that we will have fellowship. Fellowship means to have in common. As sinners... You don't have anything in common with a holy God. But in God's grace, 
When Christ's forgiveness is accepted and received, then you come into a commonality with God. You take on, see when you're born again, you take on his nature inside you and then there is fellowship between you and God. There is no fellowship between the lost and God. Light and dark don't coexist. They don't have fellowship with each other. But when Jesus forgives you of your sins, washes you clean, gives you a brand new start, when you experience a new nature, then you and God have something to talk about. You and God are on a communicating basis. The second purpose for sharing is in verse 4, that we have joy. Fellowship is an answer for loneliness. When you're lonely, you have fellowship. Joy is the answer for emptiness. When you are not satisfied, then you are empty. You're lacking in joy. Why do we proclaim? Why do we share? Because it brings us joy. Joy is not something that you can conjure up or manufacture. Joy is a byproduct of having fellowship with God. The third reason for sharing or proclaiming what we have, what we've experienced, what we have seen, is that we may not sin. See, the pleasures of sin are temporary. God's pleasures are eternally gratifying. They're eternally gratifying. And the third reason for sharing and proclaiming what we've seen and what we've experienced is that we may not sin. I I remember years and years ago, just a guy said, I need to see you. And he came in to see me and he said, Tim, I got to ask some help. I said, what's the matter? He said, I want to quit smoking. And I don't know how. And I've tried and I've tried and tried. And I just, something I want to do. And what could you tell me? What could you, I said, I'll tell you exactly how. I'll tell you exactly how to do it. Really? I said, yeah, it works 100% of the time. How do you do do that? Go home, tell your wife, I have quit smoking and I'll never touch another one to my mouth again. In the morning, go to the convenience store where you buy your cigarettes every morning, walk in and say, got announcement. All you girls, listen, I'll be coming in here from now on. I'll be buying chewing gum. I will never, as long as I live, ever buy another cigarette and touch it to my mouth again, ever. When you get to work, tell everybody at work, guess what happened? I quit smoking last night. As long as I live, I will never. Everywhere you go all day long, tell everybody. You can't sell for you buy another cigarette, put it in your mouth. You, see, when you proclaim, when you say it, then it protects you. See, the more you proclaim the gospel, when you're witnessing and telling people about what you've seen and heard, then you're not going to go back and buy another joint from them. I mean, you're not going to. See, when you are all about leading your dealer to the Lord, then where are you going to go buy it? When you're all about telling somebody about, the more you proclaim what has happened inside, you don't tell anybody. Well, it's just between me and God. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. See, the more you proclaim your faith, the more solid you get in your faith. And the more you proclaim it, and it keeps you from sinning. First John chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. I'm telling you this. I'm writing this to you. The reason I'm proclaiming this is to keep me from doing it. The reason 
I can't stand up here and preach week in and week out and week in and week out and then walk out the back door and go do something else. And see, y'all see me drive out in the park. Are you get the more, keep it to yourself and you won't have any power to stand. But if you'll proclaim it, everybody in your family, everybody around you, if you'll proclaim what God is doing inside you, it produces a hedge of protection around you. I'm telling you this so that you won't blow it. Number one, we have fellowship. Number two, we have joy. Number three, it keeps us from sinning. The fourth reason to share is so that we're not deceived. The word deceived, the word led astray. uh, As we teach this, we're going to talk a lot about deception and being led astray and being sucked into other doctrines and other gospels and false doctrines and false ideas. The reason you share is to keep yourself from being sucked away into something that's not right. The fifth reason for sharing our born-again experienced life, number five, is that we may know that we're saved. I'm writing to you so that you may know. So that you, the word know is used 30 times in this writing. You don't have to hope you're saved. Are you saved? Well, I, I mean, I hope so. Man, are you on your way to heaven? Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying best I can, but you know, one never knows. I'm just trying to, I'm just hoping. So. You can know. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God. You can know that your sins have been forgiven. You can know that you've been born again. You can know that you've been given a brand new start. You can live your life in a confidence that God has turned my stinking, rotten life around, and I'm no longer that person that I used to be. I know that. Why? Because it's been revealed to me. I've experienced it, and I'm sharing it. I am really, really, really looking forward to this series and all that we're going to learn. Y'all stand with me. Lord, tonight as Paul and Josh and I roll up our sleeves and we pursue teaching this information in your word, Lord, that week in and week out, all of us come in here with the soil of our heart tilled and ready to receive all that you have to reveal to us about who you are, about what you have done for us, and the life that you have given us. Lord, we are so, so grateful to you for giving us a brand new start in life, for giving us of our sins, and turning us around to live a life full of joy and full of blessings in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.